Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Real inspiration for real innovators. If you're looking for innovation and leadership transformation, your journey starts now. Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bourne. I would love if you would spread the word by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Guys, today my guest is Parker Stevenson. Parker is the managing partner and the chief business officer at Evolved Finance, a bookkeeping firm that specializes in helping online entrepreneurs to build more profitable and financial stable online businesses. Welcome to the podcast, Parker. Natalie, thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm really excited to talk about this topic because I don't think we've ever had a financial topic on the podcast. And so I'm just curious a little bit, if you could talk a little bit to our folks out there about what are the financial mistakes you see entrepreneurs making? We have a ton of entrepreneurs that listen to our podcast. Yeah. I mean, we boiled it down to just one main thing. It's just not paying attention to it. I think so much of the reasons most of us start our businesses is because we want to serve other people, because we have great sales and marketing skills, because we have a vision of wanting to create something bigger than ourselves. But then this whole money thing kind of comes into play. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs sort of feel unprepared for that piece and then subsequently sort of just ignore it and just hope that it's okay or hope someone else can take care of it. And I think that has a lot to do with, I think the financial services industry, not making this part of running a business more easy to understand and more streamlined. And I think that's a big part of what we try to do at Evolve Finances is yes, we are a bookkeeping service for online businesses, but really we're just trying to simplify this and help our clients to understand it because the financial concepts that you need to understand as a business owner are actually not that hard. They're really straightforward. And I would even say most of our like top clients who are just world-class marketers have to deal with far more sophisticated and complicating aspects of the marketing machine in their business. But I think that the hard part here is that if you don't have the right people supporting you with your finances, then a lot of people will just sort of ignore this piece or not prioritize it. So then you end up with a bad bookkeeper or a crappy accountant, and then your taxes aren't filed right. And then all these things kind of start to snowball and you go, oh yeah, this confirms that I hate finance and I hate taxes and I hate all these things. When in reality, if we paid just a little more attention to the financial sides of our business, it would make most entrepreneurs feel a lot more comfortable and a lot more empowered around their finances. So, you know, it's interesting. I think when people start a business, there's a couple of areas they don't really lean into. Oftentimes when someone comes to me and says, hey, I'm thinking about starting a business, I ask them a couple of questions like, hey, well, what kind of sales experience do you have? Because you know, you're going to have to sell your company, right? And like, you know, what's your thoughts on finance and how are you doing with that? And so it's interesting because entrepreneurs have to wear so many hats. You're the CEO, you're the accountant, you're all these different things. You're the salesperson when you're first starting out. And so it can be so difficult to wear all those different hats. Well, and I think the internet has made the barriers to entry for running a business so much lower, which I think is a beautifully democratic thing. But, um, you know, I think historically, if you were going to start a restaurant or you were going to open a laundromat or you were going to start a more classic brick and mortar business, there was a little more of a feeling like, all right, I got to get an accountant in place. I, I need a bookkeeper. Uh, we need to make sure that we maybe have a business plan. I mean, not every classic business does this, but I think there was more of a thought process around there versus I think so many of like, especially the types of businesses we serve, these online businesses where it's like, eh, I'm going to kind of do this as a side hustle 
and see where it goes. <laughs> and then where it goes is you're quitting your job and making more money than you've ever made before that I think so many online business owners are just thinking, how do I get myself out there? How do I actually make some sales? But it can happen so quickly, like success can kind of catch you off guard sometimes, not for everybody. It's a slow burn for others, but it can happen so fast in the online space that I think it leaves a lot of online business owners feeling like, Ooh, I got to catch up in some areas. That's so true. I mean, I empathize with that person that's just is doing the side hustle. And then the next thing they know they're out there. So when you talk to entrepreneurs, business owners, what are the metrics that matter? Like what are the things that they should be looking at and caring about? I mean, it all comes down to profit. I think if you had to just pick one metric, profit is it. Because if your profit isn't where it needs to be, then that's going to point you in the direction of, okay, now I need to start looking at my expenses or looking at my revenue to figure out why I'm not where I need to be. So for our clients, and again, a lot of our clients are going to be course creators. They have membership sites. They're coaches. You either do one-on-one coaching or have group coaching programs, influencers, and then a few service providers as well. Um, these are business models where you don't have any inventory. It's fairly simple to deliver on these offers. But at the end of the day, you still need to make sure you're tracking your money and you need to make sure that there's money being kept because the types of businesses that our clients have, they're not really businesses that are going to be sold one day. Because if you looked in like Silicon Valley, they talk a lot about like, oh, I'm not really worried about profit. We're just growing the value of the business because these startups are trying to get bought out by Google or, you know, some other huge corporation. And then that's how the owner is going to make their money. But with types of businesses we're working with, some of our clients might be able to sell their businesses one day for a little bit of money. But most of them, the whole idea of the business is run profitably make more money through that profit than you ever would at your career or your job. So when profit isn't looking good, which for our clients is going to be like 30% or better is what we're looking for. So that means if you were a million dollar a year business, we would expect you to have at least $300,000 in profit or more. And that's not to say like if someone has a course-based business and they're at 20%, like their business is completely broken and a failure. But we know because we've seen the numbers for so many successful businesses, we know it's possible. So we would want to push that client to adjust some of the things in their business that's going to get them to that 30% place or better. But then from there, if they're not at 30% or if they are at 30% or better, then why are we there? How did we get to this number? And usually it's going to be around what's the cost of acquiring our clients, which a lot of the times for clients, the biggest expense is going to be advertising. So Facebook ads, Google ads, things of that nature. And then if that's not the issue, then it's going to normally be around team. Labor costs are a big part of running a business. It might not seem like it at first because you're the only person in the business <laughs> and you're doing all the things. But eventually, as your revenue starts to go up, you're going to need support. And so labor costs, if the business owner isn't kind of strategic around how work gets done in the business, has good systems and processes, then team costs can kind of get really high. But then the other piece here is that if profit isn't where you want to be, sometimes it has nothing to do with the expenses. There might not be really any expenses you can cut. It might just be, we need to make more money. Like we just need to drive more revenue, which is usually the case for new businesses or relatively small businesses where it's like, I'm only spending $1,500 a month in expenses, but I'm only making about $1,500 a month. There's probably nothing to cut in that $1,500 a month you're spending. It's just a matter of how do you start driving three, four, five thousand $5,000 or more a month in revenue. So I try to make this sound as simple as I can, but the reality is 
it really is that simple. But when we give our clients good financial data, which is what good bookkeeping should be doing, it's easier to look at that data and get the feedback we need as business owners. And the reality is, is as your business gets bigger, you need, whether it's in your marketing, whether it's in your finance, whether it's with the culture you're building in your team, we need feedback so we can make better decisions going forward as business owners. That's so good. I'm just thinking right now about SaaS companies that are looking to be acquired. What should their number one focus be? I still think it's profit. Yeah. <laughs> I still think profit's <laughs> important because if you're trying to sell a business that's already profitable, that makes your business far more valuable. But I think in the startup world, it's more about market share. It's more about getting to market before your competition, especially if you're in a competitive place. Like for instance, my brother worked for a company in Silicon Valley where they had about I think three or four other competitors all kind of at similar stages of their funding and they were all kind of gobbling up market share and now there's really only a couple of them that are really dominating in that industry now. So sometimes it's just like, do you have the right piece of software or the right sort of business model and are you getting the money you need in order to get more market share and build more brand awareness than someone else. But otherwise, if you're not kind of a unicorn or a Silicon Valley darling, then a lot of the time it's still the same game. Whether you're self-funded or you are getting funding from somewhere else, how cost-effective can we get new users? And then how do we also manage our labor costs as our business grows so that we, you know, make sure our burn rate isn't going too fast or make cash flow less of a concern overall? That's really interesting. And I'm kind of thinking about, can you walk us through, let's say you've looked the profitabilities there. So they've kind of ticked that first box. What are some other areas you would tell them to start to really refine, especially if you're looking at acquisition or potentially being acquired one day? What are some of the other metrics that they need to really lean into to ensure that they're an attractive company? Well, I will say again, because our clients don't typically sell their businesses, we haven't seen a lot of the types of businesses we serve get acquired. But I actually did a podcast interview with a guy named Tyler, and he is a broker for, so it's they're called SoCal Business Brokers. And he's actually based out of San Diego when I interviewed him on my podcast because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around what makes a business sellable. Yes. And so if the profitability is there, awesome. But a lot of it has to do with if you pull the business owner out of the business, can this business still operate? So a lot of the times what we explain to our clients is that if you want a super profitable business, then you're going to need to stay in it. But Again, it's a matter of like a lot of our clients are going to make very healthy salaries year over year that by the time they want to be done with the business, that if they get a little something for it, great. But if they don't, they've made an executive level salary for however long they ran the business. And it's just a matter of making sure that they were putting money away investing and doing all this stuff that we all kind of have to do when we work for a company anyways, right? Yeah. Are you putting money in your 401k? Are you putting it in real estate? Doing all the adulting that we need to do to make <laughs> sure we have a retirement. Otherwise, if you are trying to build a business that's going to be more sellable, typically you're going to have to sacrifice some of that profit. It depends on your business model, but you're going to have to sacrifice some of those juicy profits to have a larger team and especially more of a management level aspect of your business that allows you to be able to leave the business, but have the business still function with 
without you and still be something that if a new owner came in, the business isn't going to fall apart immediately. So that has a little less to do with finances, but obviously we need to make sure that the financial sort of makeup of our business, like the way we price, the way we build out our team, that all these pieces are going to fit together so that if you are out of the business and someone else acquires it, the business is still going to function financially and still be successful. So you mentioned something in there about paying yourself. One of the biggest mistakes I often see entrepreneurs make is that they don't provide themselves a steady paycheck, especially in the beginning of launching their business. Well, and depending on where you're at in your business, that's just kind of part of the sacrifice of getting something started, right? And that's why a lot of the times when I'm on podcasts or if I'm doing a workshop or a webinar, I try to emphasize the importance of your personal finances. Because if you're going to be leaving a cushy job to start your own business, well, you're going to have to make some adjustments to your personal financial situation in order to give yourself the best chance of being successful. So for instance, we have had a number of clients that started online businesses. And when our clients come to us, they're already making at least $100,000 a year or more in revenue. So they're having some sort of success. But we've had some clients where they left jobs where maybe they were a lawyer and they're like a high paid lawyer. And they're like, you know what, I'm going to give up this like kind of guaranteed salary to start something on my own and change my lifestyle and be an entrepreneur, which I understand the appeal of that, but they can't live like they're making $400,000 a year as a lawyer when their business is just getting started. They have to rethink what's my rent or my mortgage or my car payment or what am I spending on food and all these things. Because the more personal expenses you have, the more pressure it's going to put on the business to cover that. And I would say that in a lot of ways, people with lower personal expenses when they start their businesses, they're in a more advantageous position because they can leave more money in the business to help it grow, especially if you haven't crossed that six figure mark yet so that your business can grow faster and set itself up to be able to pay you a healthier salary down the road. But at the end of the day, we all have bills to pay. So that's why it's so important that you know what your monthly nut is personally. What do you need to make? And then your whole goal is how do I get this business to a place where I can cover those bills? And then it's up to you if you want to start giving yourself a raise right away, or you just cover your bills and kind of hang out there for a little bit and put some of that cash in the business back into it to help it grow so you can set yourself up to get a much better paycheck each month from your business in the future. Do you find there's a certain amount that people should have when they're embarking upon a journey like this in the bank? I know I've heard an entrepreneur locally here in Atlanta say, hey, unless you have 18 months of salary in the bank, don't even consider starting a business. I don't know if you've heard numbers out there or what you think healthy numbers are, but I know it takes, you know, for some, it can take almost a year to get your business off the ground in a, in a way where it's healthy and, you know, you're getting reoccurring revenue and things like that. So oftentimes it's not, you know, it's, it's just not an overnight thing. No, I mean, I think those stories of businesses taking off, especially in the online space, will sometimes set improper expectations for new entrepreneurs. But I'd say the majority of our clients they started their businesses on the side while they still had an income. I think so much about entrepreneurship is risk management and how good are you at mitigating risk? And so if you're someone who it's like, you know what, I got this business idea, I'm quitting my job right now, and I'm just going to go figure it out. There's a certain part of me that admires that and goes good for you for going after what you want. But there's a bigger part of me that would go, well, that feels super irresponsible. Like, what's your plan? And you're like, well, I'm going to figure it out as we go. Eh, that's not really how this works, because you're probably going to be severely disappointed by the results of that. And that's where I think it makes so much sense to start your like, especially if you're doing an online business, and it, it really depends on what kind of business model you're 
going to do. If you want to open a restaurant, like there's no kind of side hustling a restaurant, right? Like that is a lot of work, a lot of attention that needs to go into something like that. But for a lot of people, whether you're doing consulting or coaching, or you want to have a course or start software or whatever you're kind of doing, a lot of the times you can do a lot of the initial research and start to build out the foundation of this business, start to build an audience on the side that then you can ultimately make a more, you can feel better about the decision of going into the business when it's actually starting to make some money. But at the end of the day, there's sacrifice you have to make when you start a business, whether it's building up a ton of savings. So you have a year or two to figure the business out and you just kind of are going to sacrifice your savings in order to get this business off the ground. Or you sacrifice your free time by going, Hey, I still got to go to my job, but in my free time after my job, I'm going to work on my business instead of relaxing or doing the things I guess non-entrepreneur people would have in their free time to do. I, I can't remember what that looks like sometimes, but that's where just kind of figuring out what makes sense for you. But if you're just going to drop everything, I think you need to give yourself a year at least. You need In your personal finances, be ready to cover your expenses for a year and have enough money to cover that. But even then, and maybe just my personality, I think it would be more responsible to figure out how can you build some momentum before you quit your job and make sure that the business has some sort of cash flow. Otherwise, to start a business from nothing in a year and get to a point where it replaces your salary, it's like, it's a little bit of a roll of the dice. And I don't know if that's going to bum a bunch of your listeners out to hear that, Natalie, but... Um, that's the truth. I mean, it's the truth. And I think that people have to go into entrepreneurship with eyes wide open. One of the things I tell people all the time is if you can't start living off of half of your salary now and saving the other half in order to do this, then you may not want to do it. Because I think so often everyone gives the rah, rah, rah speech and then people are mad when they crash and burn. But to me, it's you have to have the principles and the guardrails in place leading up to launching your business. And some of the things you mentioned there is just sound wisdom and sound advice so that you can launch a successful business. I love it. I think it's real. It's honest. And I want to inspire people by telling them the truth. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, we had a client who was making a six-figure salary and had a really successful, profitable online business already. And I was like, dude, like, why haven't you quit your job yet? And he's just like, oh, my wife and I just want to make sure this is like real. Like this thing, this business is really stable and it's actually going to work. And, you know, after about a year of working together and especially I think the pandemic sort of changed their outlook on some of the stuff that they're like, okay, I think we're ready to go. And it's like they easily replaced his salary and his wife's salary with their wow. business. And they probably could have done that before. But it just goes to show, I think we have, you know, some of us are going to be more or less risk adverse just depending on who we are. And I think in that example, it's like more power to them it's worked out really well for him, but you can kind of take it too far sometimes where it's like, all right, you're running a business, you're working, you have a family, like let's get something off your plate here. And that full-time job is probably a first, mm -hmm. uh, a good first place. But I think that's a safer place to come from. Then again, the person who goes, yeah, I got about two months of savings in my personal bank account. And I'm just going to go out there and like <laughs> start a business from scratch with no audience, no following and no real plan. Yeah, it's so good. And I think in the first year of your business, it's, it evolves anyway in terms of what your offering is. A lot of times your clients tell you who you really are and what services you really provide that they care about. And so I do love the idea of landing one plane as you're launching the other so that you're not just left out there kind of hanging in the wind. I think what you said there, like we've seen that in real life, like I just want everyone listening to understand how real that is, that whatever your first offer is, is likely not going to be what your business is going to look like down the road. Like almost, yeah, that's so real. Like almost every single one of our clients, their first offer is something they don't even sell. Anymore. That's right. 
That's right. That's so true. It's almost a unit. Like, I mean, we have clients now that have successful sort of business coaching programs who started out like social media manager freelancers, you know, and then all of a sudden they started a course and then they did another thing and then they pivoted this way. And now they're in the place where their business, like this is their business now and it's more stable. But those first couple of years, even like at Evolve Finance with what we do, we've always done bookkeeping, but the way we've delivered on our service over the years has, no pun intended, evolved quite a bit. And that's something that I think new entrepreneurs sometimes go, oh yes, this business idea is perfect and there's no way it's not going to work. And then I think what makes a successful entrepreneur is the person that goes, ooh, this doesn't work. I need to quit. It's the person that goes, okay, this didn't work, but maybe I just need to solve this problem for my customers in a different way that I wasn't thinking about before. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think that's the role of innovation in our businesses is that we can't be stuck with the first offering that we put out there because it should evolve, it will evolve. And we have the idea of what we think it's going to be. And then we have the, what the market actually responds to and what they really want. And a lot of times those things are not always in alignment. And so we have to realign in order to serve our customers. So I just love that you said that. You also said something earlier about 2020 and just how rough that was. What would you say if someone's saying, how do I weather the storm with an online business, given the fact that I had a really rough year last year and things are, you know, starting to pick up, but what are some things you tell people just to weather the storm well when they think about their online businesses? Yeah. I mean, what we tell all of our clients is three months of operating expenses saved up in the business. And I think the mindset most entrepreneurs have is they go, well, yeah, I can do that, but I kind of want to use that money for something else and I'll just make more money. And it's like, of course, as entrepreneurs, we have to have the confidence that we're going to generate revenue when we need to get an influx of cash, going to be pushing our businesses to grow. Great. But last year was one of those instances that you can't predict where our clients who saved up three months of operating expenses were like, thank you for telling me to do this because it gave them time to pivot and adapt and adjust to the market. Now, I will say that we and our clients were very lucky because we were all online. So our clients actually saw growth last year because of the pandemic, because there was so many more eyes on the internet paying attention to their offer. But this is where, again, going back to mitigating risk, thinking about your business model, where are the opportunities and where are the advantages that you have, but then also where are the sort of downsides of your businesses or your business? Where's the risk? If crap hits the fan, where is your business vulnerable? And I think that's where a lot of more classic brick and mortar businesses realized how vulnerable their businesses really were. And the one that succeeded were the ones that pivoted and shift and figured out how to get to their customers in new and different ways. And so to do that, though, we had got to be sitting on cash. And again, in the early stages of your business, like the pandemic is just a thing that was a was super bad luck for certain businesses. And there was really not a whole lot they could have done because they were just too new and too vulnerable. But especially as your business starts to grow and you have more success, never take that success for granted. Always have sort of contingency plans in place and have some sort of buffer in your business because a lot of the times, even if there's not a pandemic, you're going to have ups and downs in your business no matter what. So to be able to set yourself up to have the space and room you need to adjust and adapt to the challenges that are inevitably going to show up for you, like that's the best thing you can possibly do, which is why growth is so great, generating revenue is so great, but we don't want to be pulling every dollar out of the business to pay you. We need to keep some of that profit saved up in the business so that you have a runway to adjust and adapt to 
you know, like pandemics. That's so good. What are your final thoughts for our listeners? Just understand that you don't have to be a financial expert. You don't have to be your own accountant. A lot of, I think what being a business owner is, is knowing a little bit about a lot of things. But when you get to a place where you can start to bring experts into your business, don't try to avoid an accountant. Don't try to avoid your bookkeeper. Don't try to avoid a lawyer. These are the three areas where it's like, as your business starts to grow and you're generating revenue, get experts in your business in the areas where there's just no way you or someone on your team can be an expert in these things because the more your business grows, the more you have to lose. And that's why, um, you know, our clients work with us for so long from a bookkeeping standpoint, because we understand their business. It's why every single one of our clients has an accountant that they trust to file their taxes properly and not get into trouble there. And that's why our clients hire out lawyers to help them with some of the legal aspects of their business, where again, it's just impossible for a business owner to really know all this stuff. So I know there's ways to sort of operate a business on a budget in its initial stages, and that's absolutely the right thing to do. But just know as you grow, be prepared to have to invest a little more into your business to protect it and make sure you have the people around you to just make sure you're not driving in the dark here and, and just sort of moving through your business blind. Wow. I hope that you guys enjoyed this. This was incredible. Thank you so much for your time today, Parker. No, thank you, Natalie. It's my pleasure. Or you can follow Parker on LinkedIn, Twitter, or head over to evolvedfinance.com. And to our listeners, remember, don't just get out of the box, break the box and set it on fire. Let's go transform something. Thank you for joining us for the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Innovation Meets Leadership and visit our site, at innovationmeetsleadership.com for more innovation resources. Today's sponsorship is brought to you by Territory Global. We work at the intersection of experience and imagination. We help you pinpoint problems and turn them into opportunities. We make imagine happen. Some of the best organizations in the world choose us as their partner to help solve their strategy, innovation, transformation, story, and ways of working problems. Learn more at Territory.co.